All right, listen up, spuds. This is Zap Brannigan, eh? master of time, space, and everything else in between. And, uh, oh, yeah, winner of this year's Modesty Award. Yeah. You're listening to You Suck. What's the difference with Al and Tom? You're one stop for this sort of thing. Yeah. Hey guys, welcome to What's the Difference podcast. I'm your host, Tom Bruno. And I'm Alex Whiteley. And today is a very interesting episode. Um, you know me, guys. I like a lot of cool things in this life. I like um, snowboarding. I like the outdoor life as much as I fear the outdoor life. And of course, that brings me to like things that are outdoor related and anything that are, are a form of fashion thereof. And um, I used to spend a lot of time watching a lot more TV than I now do now. But um, that's how I was introduced to this person. Um, he is a uh, survival instructor. He is an author. He is a TV personality. Um, he is a bunch of different things. He's going to tell us a lot of cool stuff. Please welcome to the show, Mr. Cody Lundin. Yeah. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> now, now, Cody, the, the first thing that I got to draw attention to um, is uh, after watching you plenty of times and probably the thing that you might be the most well known for is the fact that you really keep it authentic as hum- much as humanly possible, so much so that you don't wear shoes, right? Yeah, I don't wear shoes, and I don't know if that's part of keeping it authentic. It's just a personal choice, which, of course, I don't recommend. Maybe in England, I would recommend it, but not in Arizona. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's 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 a dangerous place that you live. We we have a friend that lives out there, and I'm of course, you know, being as as in love with the American deserts as I am, um, it's one of the most venomous places in North America that possibly is. And you choose to do a barefoot. I mean, where, where's the uh, personal decision behind that? Is it just the the feel? Do you like the sand on your feet, or is it something a little more spiritual for you? Well, it, it started a long time ago in the late '80s. And I was enthralled and still am with native peoples because they're the original badasses. You know, whichever tribe you look at, these are the people that were doing it for real and still are if you go to the right part of the planet. And I always, you know, yes, there's sandals in the Southwest and, you know, moccasins and a bunch of stuff. But the bottom line is I kept seeing all these pictures of native peoples in Arizona. And a lot of times they're barefoot, you know. And so I thought I would try that. Because I know that one of the first things that happened to POWs um, in warfare in general is they take their shoes and they take mm. their shoes so they don't go away or that they can't go away very fast. And I didn't want to be limited by such a, a trite piece of gear. I mean, I love footwear. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it's a necessity in some parts of the country. But my thing uh, is teaching self-reliance. And mm. my motto for my school is the more you know, the less you need. And so I thought I would put my money where my mouth is and, you know, frankly, be in a lot of pain um, and just try that and see how it worked. And that was in, I think, uh, 88 or 89. Uh, Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Cody, but isn't Arizona one of the hottest fucking places on the planet? How do you do that? Because it must be terribly painful walking on very hot pavement. I'm glad you bring that up. When it's super duper hot and you're right, it's fucking hot out here. The ground temperatures give me in excess of 140 degrees Fahrenheit. I don't know what that is in Celsius. It's um, bloody hot. Or... That's what that is. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to wear sandals or something in that heat and have actually delaminated flip-flops. In other words, melted them apart in that sort of heat. 
Because what happens with meat, which basically a foot is a piece of meat, Mm. when you heat it up, like any meat, when you cook it, it gets soft. And when it gets soft, then things are super painful. So it's a no-go. So, you know, Mm. even if you're walking across a supermarket parking lot in Phoenix, Arizona, right now, it was 116 last week down there, it's lethal. So you're right. You have, that's one, that's my point. You have to wear um, footwear at certain times of the year here, or you're a dead man. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, so let's, let's take it back. Um, where does it all start for you? So at what point do you, are you like, Hmm, this is the way, cause you're, uh, the reason I brought up home settings, that's something you're also very well known for is that you built your own self-sustaining house. You, you don't rely on anything or anyone, which I find admirable. Um, I do a very much lesser version of that up where I live in Northern Vermont. And we try to do something similar, you know, solar panels, chickens, things along those lines, but nowhere near in in depth that you are. So where does it all begin for you, sir? Where's the, where does your path, uh, where does it start and where does it take you? My path begins at Stonehenge. And I wanted to say to Alex, my God, I love Stonehenge. And I love mm. the thing you have called grass. Cause it feels <laughs> like it's and I, yes, love the, uh, <laughs> I love York. I love the town of York, even though I know it's yes. a tourist trap. I think it's mm. cool. I love Salisbury. Yeah. Go down there. I think that's Salisbury. a gorgeous place. And of course, mm. London kicks ass. I love that a lot. I like that no. thing called the Cube. Um, <laughs> yeah. I got kicked out of art museums in London for being barefoot, which I'm not really appreciative of. <laughs> anyway, back to back to the question of Tom's. I think the most common way to die in the outdoors is called lack of thermoregulation. And that deals with two things, hypothermia, which is a drop in core body temperature of 98.6 degrees or 37 degrees Celsius, and hyperthermia, which is an elevation in core body temperature. So one's winter survival, one's desert survival. And in our country, um, which is, uh, how do I describe our country? Um, it's not exactly self-reliant, which mm. is based on, and so... Based on the biggest cause of death called lack of thermoregulation, which is dealing with temperature, also up to 40% of our energy grid in the USA here goes to keeping your room 72 degrees. So we spend a lot of our blood and treasure on fucking room temperature in the United States of America. And that doesn't need to happen. So like you're alluding to, my passive solar earth home, I was fascinated with trying to make my house regulate its own temperature. One, because it's socially and, and economically responsible. Mm-hmm. And two, it's what native peoples did or they died because they mm-hmm. can't plug into grid power when there is no grid power. So ironically, the biggest cause in an outdoor survival situation, hypo and hyperthermia, is also a big cause for big bummer bills, heating and cooling bills in the United States of America because our houses suck as far as thermoregulating temperature. And I wanted to deal with that, and I did. And so my house, to start... Because everything is based on temperature. Your chickens lay better when they're happy, right? Not when they're freezing their butts off in Vermont or whatever. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, and everything responds better from your car to the chicken to your mom when they're thermoregulated. And I wanted to do that based on my bioregion without paying people money to do that for me. And in my country, in Arizona, that's called a passive solar earth home. Because we have a lot of solar, and you know, solar is probably not the way to go in England, you know. Mm. But um, yeah. it is here in Arizona. So basically, I paid attention to Mother Nature where I'm from, 
And now I don't have any heating and cooling bills. Now, do you, sorry to cut you off, Alex. Do you have to, I mean, do you, do you work off a well system? How, what are you doing for water exactly? Water. Um, I do have a well, which I put in several years ago, but I also, the primary thing is I catch rain. I yes. have something called a carport that uh, doubles as keeping the vehicles out of the oppressive sun. And there's, you know, books out there where you can, here's the surface you're using, whether asphalt or metal, here's how many inches you get per year per the square footage, and you can calculate how many gallons you get in a storm. I have several big poly tanks, which are common here in Arizona, big polyethylene tanks, 3,000 gallons plus, and my rainwater runs through a series of filters, blah, 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 that fills those tanks. And what I do is I have a solar well, which is run, you know, by a solar pump. And there's a thing in one of those tanks that's basically a float. And when that float gets to a certain point, that well kicks on. And I have that float set set to a certain height to where the well rarely ever kicks on because I can maintain from storm to storm because I'd rather use rain than any sort of even non-grid power. So other than someone shooting up my tanks, which they're partially buried a few feet anyway, um, that's how I do it with water. And I've never knock on wood had an issue, even though we're in a very, very scary drought right now as we're talking. I, I do it a similar way. I mean, we rely on our well water a little bit more than we probably should. Um, we're actually in the process of um, excavating for a new well setup because there's a couple things. We live in a great area right back in the woods, as I said. And the water has a really like hard time flowing through my yard. So in the beginning of spring, going into the beginning of uh, of uh, winter, um, it's essentially like a pond out front because the water just has nowhere to go. So we want to put it somewhere where it can take some more of that. And <clears throat> we tend to use up a lot of water. So what we started doing was we got these big blue jugs. Um, people use them mainly for maple syrup out here. But um, a, a farmer was just giving them away. And I was like, oh. Oh, Tom's disappeared. Oh, look at that. <laughs> yeah. Good job I'm on the ball, right? So he, he wants to collect his water. I always thought it was illegal to collect water in the UK, uh, but I've just been looking now, and apparently I'm full of shit. Um. <laughs> I hit my hand on my mouse because I was so excited talking about water that I just picked myself out. <laughs> what do well you do? Yeah, thank, thank you, thank you. I'm very professional. Just to ask anyone. Ask Alex. He's, he's seen me at my best and my worst. Anyways, for blue tanks, catch water, and we use that water as well. Next question. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you guys are very, very lucky. I mean, we're dealing with uh, huge water shortages here in a lot of the Southwest and Western United States of America anyway. So to hear you have too much water, and I know that Alex has tons of water, and you're, you guys don't know how lucky you are. You know, I, I, I'm from Shrewsbury in the UK, which is one of the most notorious towns in Europe for flooding. Um, like li businesses get washed away, homes get ruined. Um, literally every other year, the river goes "fuck you, Shrewsbury," and it comes high and it, it ruins everything. Um, so yeah, I'm, 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 I, you know, this this whole thing at the moment actually with with the the pandemic and and the way people have behaved. When I hear about shortages of water and shortages of gasoline, things like that. I just see these images of people acting like fucking idiots. And now mm. you being self-sufficient, Cody, I feel like you, you're a step ahead of everybody else, right? Is that correct? Well, that depends. You know, it depends on what you're talking about for threat. You know, there's a lot of different threats out there. And um, 
you know, what I do, because I get a lot of weird emails, as you might imagine, and a lot of comments and X, Y, and Z. Look on my podcast. <laughs> I know, some <laughs> asshole just asking so, come on shows. So that's a, that's a loaded question that you've asked. Um, but I think that for all your listeners out there, if you want to be more self-reliant, the place to start is common sense, and that starts with human physiology mm. and psychology and about what we use every day that we take for granted. Um, and make sure you have enough of that for you and your family so you're not standing in the food lines or whatever and try to get as self-reliant as possible and ideally try to make it a part of your lifestyle and not just some knee-jerk reaction to being a paranoid doomsday freak, you know, to make it ideally a part of your lifestyle, you know, like Tom, you know, with the, with the, the, the water bottles or whatever, you know, and if there's all stuff that we can do regardless of where we live to kind of check off the boxes of physiological needs mm. to make things a little bit less stressful when the grid goes burp, because let's face it. I mean, Texas here in the United States of America, the grid went down big time in parts of Texas because of something as evil as cold weather. Go figure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That was nuts prepared for that cold weather. And mm. so it laid waste to a lot of people's perceptions on what you need. But I'm a real big fan on, of common sense. That's not what I see out there in my field. I see bullshit, and I see a bunch of products that deal with people's ego, with their fear, or with their ignorance. I I, I really I've, I really do value that kind of um, that, the way of thinking because like when I think of survival experts, I think of Ray Mears, I think of um, Bear Grylls, and all these people. But I've heard I've learned a lot of horror stories about people like Bear Grylls and and the way he operates because it's like. Yo, so guys, if you're trapped in Scotland, what you need to do is find a sheep and skin it alive, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so it's yeah, the, it's the fact that... So go on. Well, it's funny you mentioned Scotland because that's where a guy died trying to emulate him. Uh, he died of hypothermia, which we've already mentioned, in a cabin, in a hiking cabin. This guy didn't even know how to dress himself. And he was emulating Bear Grylls, who, for the record, is not a real survival instructor. He was created by Discovery Channel, and I don't know if I'd call him an actor either, but I won't go into the, the legions of stories of phony survival experts on TV. It's probably one of the most dangerous and blatantly uh, fraudulent things, certainly in my profession, all these people claiming to be survival experts, not just on networks, but on YouTube, on Facebook, or whatever, you really have to watch it because, you know, I take what I do very seriously. And even though you guys, you know, your podcast is how you choose to run it, but I'm hoping, you know, to maybe help some of your listeners with stuff, not just to maybe entertain, but to actually offer some fucking guidance or some education about, you know, making people a little bit less scared in an emergency situation and helping your listeners get by with less when, when, when the pressure's on. I mean, that's what a survival instructor does. Is they try to mitigate. They try to mitigate of uh, um, a risk, not create it. Um, it's it's funny you mention that because I mean, obviously, the author of a book such as "The Art of Keeping Your Ass Alive When All Hell Breaks Loose" um, and stuff you need when when disaster strikes, um, you would say something like that because obviously, common sense comes into big play, and you want to help people 
kind of like get a hold because the the biggest like um the the biggest killer is people freaking out right like you get into a circumstance where you can't handle something you're not used to your surroundings and you just kind of lose it and you're dead before you even know it because you don't know the steps to take to get yourself to a place where you can survive well i've always said that survival is 90 percent psychology which a lot of people um forget they focus on the content of the physical body, which is obviously is important because we've been talking about that. But if you're too scared, stupid to use what you have buried in your backyard, it doesn't matter. So what people don't realize is when people's lives are under threat, they get scared. Duh. Mm-hmm. Myself, you guys. And when people get scared, there's something called adrenaline that pumps through your body that screws up our wiring and makes everything wonky. And it's hard to think. It's hard to act. you know. And then you got your kids freaking out or whatever. So you're right, Tom. There's a lot of psychological stuff that goes on when people are scared, and that's rarely ever talked about or discussed. There's three big P's um, that, as a survival instructor, thank you for not calling me a survivalist, which I I hate that term. Uh, One is psychology, which is what we're talking about, you know, how fear affects the human body. The other is physiology, what makes the human body tick and then what kills that human body. And the other is physics, mainly the physics of heat loss and gain. We've talked about hypo and hyperthermia. So if you go to a survival expert, quote unquote, who doesn't understand human physiology, human psychology, and the physics of heat loss and gain, they're not a survival instructor. And you should run like hell from them. Um, it must it must just drive you absolutely wild because, like you said, there there are a litany of people out there right now that that claim they know a thing or two about survival, and, and most of these people read a chapter or two of a book or they watched a show from the wrong information, and then now they're spouting off knowledge that's potentially harmful to uh people that are nowhere in the know like myself i'm i'm not a I, like i was a boy scout that there goes the extent of my survival knowledge so if somebody like me who maybe say has not watched any of the stuff that you've been a part of or maybe even seen like a Les stroud or something who you know watch people actually know what they're talking about um it, it's very dangerous knowledge now when that type of stuff happens uh, is it hard for you just to keep silent or do you really want to be out there be like no you you should not do that because that's dangerous well, I'm, I'm the, the squeaky wheel. There's a reason Discovery Channel fired me, you know, and that's a whole thing I don't really want to get into because it's very, very nasty and it's, it's not pleasant. Mm. But one of the things when you're dealing with people's safety, now you guys are talking to me and, and you, in a sense you're trusting me with a little bit of your life because mm. you brought me onto the show and it, you know I'm a survival instructor. And one of the things that, that trumps everything else is the fucking truth. And if I don't tell people the truth about my training or my opinions via experience about other people who may or may not be what they are, that's on me. And so mm. I don't go out of my way to look for a fight, but I'll, I'll fight if it's brought to me. So I'll say this to, to, to your listeners. Um, vet the damn person that you're going to hire that's supposedly your survival instructor Way back in the day, there used to be something called a professional resume. It was a resume that actually had your background. You, all your listeners can Google it. It's resume. It starts with an R like rat because that's what's going on out there now. Vet the person that you're trusting your life with and then follow up and vet that resume because every resume should have people. You know, you, here's, here's who you can contact. I worked for so-and-so. You know, you have follow-ups to vet that resume because people, of course, lie on the resume. That's number one. If, mm. if you're in a profession that deals with human safety, 
and you don't have a professional resume, red flag right there. Mm. The other red flag is anyone on TV on a so-called survival show should be looked at with suspicion, <laughs> you know, because there's a lot of people out there that have no, any one of you, you, any one of your listeners could be the next survival expert on TV if the network wanted you to be the next survival expert. And there's people out there that will do anything to get on television, no integrity, no, no credibility, no experience required. This is not my opinion. This is my experience. Fact. I'm telling you stuff I've seen. This isn't just some theory I have. So when you're watching a survival show on TV, don't assume the person that's teaching you knows what in the hell they're talking about. More often they're prompted by someone else that doesn't know what they're talking about called a television producer who's gone on Google and Googled content to then appear it <laughs> to the so-called survival expert to tell you and your family who are trusting that person potentially on TV to do X, Y, and Z in a real emergency. And if that sounds like a really dangerous situation, it is. Um, C- Cody, how, how, do you, how does an average Joe like me and Tom, well, Tom's probably less average than me, but how do we spot a phony? <laughs> how, 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 when we're watching something like Ray Mears uh, on TV, how do we spot that they're, they're, they're not telling the truth or they're not telling the right things, you know? It, it's a great question that you ask, and, and you don't know, right? It, it's only only a professional knows if another another quasi-professional is BSing, and that's the scary part. Um, the way you find out is a lot of years of experience, unfortunately, and most people aren't willing to do that. Another way you might find out is just Google the person and see the dirt about them. And if you keep seeing dirty laundry about the person, that they've been outed as a phony already – then you know the answer to that. It's a great question, Alex, that you asked. But again, I go back to, you know, this person, if they're a survival expert, means they have a survival school or they work for a survival school, which probably means they have a website, which probably means they have a bio about them, which should mean they have a professional resume. It all comes back to show me and you prove me because if I'm paying you good money and trusting you with my family, I want to know I have the real deal. And it is possible to find out if you do. Mm. Um, so Cody, like I mentioned before, I, I'm, uh, I'm an ex boy scout. <clears throat> I never made it to Eagle scout. Cause I, I found out that weed and vagina was out there and I was like, Oh, other things. And I, I kind of <laughs> escaped from the realm of boy scouts, but I still love the outdoors. And I like, I know. Right. I like to be prepared. I, I stick by their motto of always be prepared. I always, you know, try to keep myself as well prepared as humanly possible. Now I live in different conditions than you. Obviously I live in the mountains of Vermont, very, very cold, very wet. Um, you live in a very dry desert, but if I want wanted to keep my me and my family prepared for a lot of things not just general specific things but like if i wanted to have an overall kit in my car what are type of items i should be keeping with me that could help me in most situations where if say if we were to get broken down on a back road in the middle of nowhere you know no no real circumstances it's not freezing rain or nothing like that just just a night what are some things i'd want to keep in myself okay and you, the caveat is there is most Right, mm-hmm. which I understand that, and that generics things out. I know you're in Vermont, and you yes. know I'm not. Yes, but we have winter here, and I know you do as well. Yes. So in Vermont, it may obviously dependent more so than here in Arizona. The car you're driving around in January would have some different stuff maybe than the car you're driving around in June. Like I would go right back to thermoregulation. Let's just take it January in Vermont. Extra sleeping bags, 
cheap sleeping bags or blankets, right? You break down hypothermia is what's going to take your family out, right? That mm-hmm. drop in core body temperature. You're not going to be building a fire on your dashboard. You know, people, I, I love fire. Fire is a beautiful tool, but it's a lot of work to build fire, especially with nothing, especially in the winter, especially with the novice, especially with people that are scared stupid. The easiest, most gross motor way you can keep warm is something called clothing, which you can have extra clothing and maybe a sleeping bag or uh, uh, blankets or whatever in Mm. the trunk of your car. And you can get this stuff fairly cheap online, discount stuff, or go to the thrift stores in your area, especially in June in Vermont, where everyone has their sweater on the rack because it's not cold, right? So you just have extra stuff in the car to deal with hypo or hyperthermia. And then water is a big part of that. That's why you guys are so lucky. Even Alex, even though his town's always flooded. No, it doesn't feel like <laughs> It doesn't like fucking that. stop over here, Cody. It doesn't <laughs> stop. Stop fucking raining. I want to go and get a suntan. Yeah? <laughs> oh, man. But you'd, in my country, you'd pack water, right? Because water helps them regulate body temperature in hypothermic conditions and hyper. Mm. And then, you know, whatever else you think you need. I mean, I, I, you're, you asked a big generic question. I don't know. I if know. In the woods, I don't know if it's a highway, but the bottom line is when you're breaking down hypothermia or hyperthermia is what's going to take out the most people. So the easiest way to deal with that is clothing, and what helps regulate body temperature is water. So right off the bat, we know we want more insulation in the car, and we want to have some extra water stored up, and then you can take it from there. When you speak of hyperthermia and hyperthermia, um, one of my favorite. So one of my favorite authors growing up was Andy McNabb. He was a, an SAS soldier, and he wrote a very good book called Bravo Two Zero. And they 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 made movies of it, and they did like the Chris Ryan version of the story because he fucked off from the group and walked like two thousand clicks to get out of the country. Anyway, uh, on the film and the film and in the book, um, being in the desert, obviously it's super super hot. You're in Iraq, it's very hot. Then during the night, it's like sub-zero. So you've got two different kind of things to fight when it comes to hyperthermia and hypothermia. Um, how do you deal with that? I mean, you're in Arizona. You must deal with that too. During the nights, it must get quite cold there. How, as a person out there with a bag of kit, something on your back, do you fight against them two evils? Clothing and water. Clothing and water. Clothing and water. I'm, I'm serious, Alex, because if it's the basis of my first book, 98.6 Degrees, the first half of that was regulating body temperature through clothing and water. The latter half was a survival kit. So what that soldier would have done um, is have the appropriate gear, ideally, for that uh, reason. Um, wool can be appropriate in the desert, and wool, of course, is appropriate in the wintertime as well. you got to cover up. And the reason the desert is so hot and the reason the desert can be so cold is lack of atmosphere. And what I mean by that, there's no tree canopy, there's hardly any cloud cover. So the Earth gets solar radiation 110% all day long. And then because of that lack of canopy and because of that lack of of cloud cover, which would hold in that long wave radiation, it loses. The Earth loses all that energy, a lot of it at night because of lack of atmosphere, because it's desert. And so you have this conundrum of, wow, it's super hot during the day and holy damn, it's, it's cold at night. And the mm. easiest way, the gross motor way to deal with that, again, is to be adequately prepared with clothing and water. And I know it's not sexy. It doesn't make good podcasting stuff. No, no it's nice. not, you know, killing a ferret and crawling inside it or whatever. <laughs> That's the reality of it. And you can throw fire in. 
right? If you have the will wherewithal to make a fire at night or whatever, I don't imagine that's a good idea in a combat situation. You know, so I, I would imagine they had clothing or tarps or some sort of covering things. Uh, you can use it as both. Insulation, think about insulation, which is what clothing does. It keeps the cocoa hot and it keeps the Kool-Aid cold. It does both. When you put insulation in your house, whether it's in Shrewsbury or in Vermont, it helps when it's too cold outside and it helps when it's too hot outside. So you get you double your money's worth, and that's the same way that clothing reacts on a human body. When you look at the Bedouin peoples in the Middle East, they're not looking like me, shorts and barefoot. They have these long flowing robes to keep the solar radiation off their skin, so the sweat evaporates at a, at a slower rate on their skin. And, of course, it keeps the short irradiation from the sun from torching them from the inside out. So I, I, I know it's a kind of a buzzkill, and it doesn't make good TV, but that's the truth, man. So uh, I, I've heard a lot. I'm sorry, Alex. Um, I've heard a lot of, of talk about being prepared. Um, can you tell the listeners maybe because like knowing as much as you know, you know how to kind of pack and prepare for whatever you might be facing. Can you tell the listeners maybe a story of how even being the best prepared didn't work out? Yeah, with me or just in general? Or you? What? Yeah, yeah, of course you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't want to hear about somebody else. I want to hear about you, sir, because you're you're the <laughs> you're the you're the guest. Um. Yeah, I mean, some of the, some of the biggest problems I've had with courses in the field years ago uh, was stuff we put in our mouth. You know, like, and I'm I'm talking about wild game or whatever. It goes down this long rabbit hole of oh shit type stories. But when, when you are putting Mother Nature and intersecting and putting in a human called human nature, when human nature and Mother Nature come together, which is the essence of being outdoors, especially in a survival situation, anything goes, and all hell can break loose. My, I'll tell you my uh, survival story. It's, it's, it was in, it was in a, what was it? Is We were in uh, Austria. Because my dad was in the military in Germany. And that's when I first went to England and to London and blah, blah, blah. And we were on a ski resort where you could the, – the, the country line was, was on the ski resort. In other words, one, one side said Germany and the other side said Austria. And since I was like nine years old and away from my parents because I did that often, mm. I skied back to Germany because that's where I lived. <laughs> And I was ill-prepared. I was a little kid. I was on skis. My folks were God knows where they were. And so long story short, I skied back to a ghost house and knocked on the door, crying my brains out. And a lady helped me, fed me soup. And they sent me on a snowcat to where my parents were, um, who were waiting for me, who, if you can imagine, this is literally the case of like the nine-year-old boy lost in the wilderness mm. in a ski resort as it's dark, as it's getting dark. So um, that's probably the biggest screw up I've made, <laughs> but I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. I thought I was skiing back home. Yeah. So little things like that, you know, a sign is wrong or whatever can kill people, right? I mean, it doesn't yes. take much to go sideways in the wilderness when the place is designed to provide variables. And mm. variables is the word I use a lot when I'm lecturing. And the number one fear of every culture on the planet is guess what? Guess what the number one fear is of every culture on the planet? The dark? It is. Yes. You're right. 
And why, why is that? Why is the dark the number one fear? Because it represents the epitome of what? The unknown. Absolutely. Yes. Oh, Two oh, points. Oh, yes. Swish. Thank so you. what you've answered your own question, right? I mean, the human nature and mother nature have more variables than anything else I can think of on this planet. And when you put people into the backcountry, anything can go wrong. And mm. because anything can go wrong, what I try to do with my clients is kind of uh, look at the statistics about what goes wrong the most often. Mm. It's not the grizzly bear or the snake bite. It's hypothermia. It's hyperthermia. It's dehydration. Mm. Those are what kills the most people. So in this big, crazy world, it's also very beautiful and stunning and deadly at the same time. We need to distill down how people really get hurt and injured and dead in the backcountry. And that's it. And that's what would have taken me out. Have I not found that gust house, that little house that, that, that sold tea in the ski resort in Austria? I don't nice know how to warm make it. tea. Nice. nice. Oh, warm shut tea. up, Alex. Just <laughs> shut your fucking mouth. Uh, the, the cold tea I had down in South Carolina was delicious, you bastard. Fuck you and your iced tea. <laughs> I'll have my tea warm with milk and two sugars. Thank you very fair much. Enough, fair enough. Fair enough. You know what? If it wasn't a thing, then Cody wouldn't be alive right now. So I guess you win. My fucking bad. Um, because <laughs> oh, that, that's that's like the story, though, right, Cody? Like that nobody expects to get lost in the wilderness. Nobody ever. Like you, you don't go in the woods. And be like, oh, I'm gonna go find some lions, man, or I'm gonna go do this. I'm gonna go for a nice hike with my family. Nobody intends to get lost, and that's probably the most common story. Is like, hey, I went, you know, uh, a couple miles in the wood for a hike, and I got lost, and I got turned around. Then I was there all night. That's that's generally how it goes. Yeah. You're right again, because that's what makes survival situations so scary is no one pencils in on their day planner. Oh, Tuesday at three, I'll be in a survival situation. They just happen and they mm. happen unexpectedly. You, you all know, do, do you know Murphy, Alex? Does England have Murphy? I know Tom uh, knows about Mr. Murphy. Murphy's law. Yes. Murphy's law. Yes. Yes. If anyone's read Jurassic Park, you'll be very familiar with Murphy's Law, you know, because that's how I learn everything is by reading Michael Crichton. Um, it, it, uh, that which can go wrong will go wrong, right? Exactly. And that's the exactly. Of what do for a profession. Um, it, it's, it's very, very true. Now, um, for anyone that maybe wants to see Cody, you know, do some of his teaching, I mean, of course, you should absolutely go take his, you know, go take his course and go, you know, out and survive with Cody. Because I, if I lived anywhere in the surrounding area, that's what I'd be doing right now. But I live a few miles away, so I, I cannot. And my family would probably be like, you're spending how much to go where? I'd be like, I'm going to go hang out with the dude in the woods for a couple of days. It'd be really fun. And they're going to disown me anyways um there's a show you can watch uh lost in the wild where um it, it seems like we're, they're kind of like did what um we're talking about right now four random people get together you you go through their bags you basically make them prepared for like a day hike not even you're like hey this is what you should have you wouldn't have all the rest of this crap so you can't come out with it um is i mean uh, trying to basically put go where exactly where i was and go with that because <laughs> sometimes my brain's like you have a point tom and then it's like no you don't tom <laughs> um if i can so when when you go out in the woods and you only have limited things i mean obviously keeping your core body temperature um in check make sure they have the proper amount of water things along those lines but you can't always do that what are some like tips and tricks that you could potentially keep in the back of your mind that will help you say if you do not bring enough warmth or if you do not have access to good water. Sure. Wow. Um, Thanks, sorry. <laughs> and again, this is, this is totally 
short on context, right? Which yes. defines my content. So yes. there's another generic question about what should I do with giving me yes. no background. But Sorry. I understand <laughs> where you're going with that. So we could jump right into leaving a game plan with people that care about you before you leave town. And what I mean by that is where you're going, uh, when you'll be back, who's in your party, what you're driving, uh, uh, what you're doing out there, the intention of the trip. This is given in, I don't know how it works in England or if it works in England, but in the United States of America, um, every, uh, well, I'm not even sure about every, if every state has one. We in Arizona have search and rescue. The acronym for that is SAR. So mm -hmm. you leave a game plan with family members. Hey, we're going to hike Sycamore Canyon. We're going Saturday morning. We'll be back Sunday at six. This bullet list of points is given to two people you trust that if you don't come back at 6 p.m. on Sunday night, they call search and rescue. And it's different by state. New Mexico, the Arizona State Police cover search and rescue. Here in Arizona, the sheriff of each county covers search and rescue. That's what everyone, all of your listeners need to do because you need to leave a game plan with people back in town. So if you get compromised, they know where in the hell to look for you. Because if you look at and break down the term search and rescue, it's two different disciplines. They search for you and then they rescue you. Well, if you've done your uh, planning and you've left this 5W game plan with two people that care about you, the search is over. They can just mm -hmm. rescue you because you're searching because you don't know where the hell the person is. And this tries to mitigate that. And, hey, we're right here. We're at Forest Road 22. We're at Camp, Camp Winnemucca. And someone broke their ankle or whatever it is. Mm. So number one, that's what you'd have, letting people know back at home where you went, when you're due back, so that trained professionals can come bail your ass out if Murphy comes a-calling, right? And, and if Murphy comes a-calling a million ways. Now, segueing in with search and rescue is a way to signal for rescue. So in Arizona, because we have a lot of solar radiation, I pack a signal mirror. Three by five, they can be seen routinely for 60 miles. It makes sense in my basin and range desert. It doesn't make sense in Shrewsbury, right? But it, it makes sense where I am. So you'd want a way to signal for rescue so you can be attractable. This isn't going to the bar. That's what they call it. If you have great attractability, that means you'll get found sooner in the backcountry. So, you know, along with regulating the core body temperature and staying hydrated, of course, you'd want some calories, some glucose, of course, a way to make a fire unless you're an idiot and don't know how to do that and burn down the pools um, and a way to signal for rescue and people that know how to look for those signals called search and rescue. Those are the bare bones, regardless of if you're in the mountains, if you're in the desert, if you're in the jungle, those things ring true and those things help bring people back alive. Um, that, it's very famous. No, you go first, Alex. I cut you off four times now. Go ahead. I, it is actually important. So the there is a connection between the US and the UK about our search and rescue because up until about 2015, the RAF, the Royal Air Force, would do the search and rescue. That was their job, uh, one of the, the companies. But it was actually handed over to Bristow Air Helicopters, uh, who are a, 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 a Texan company. Bristow helicopters oh. are from Texas. Uh, so ah, like, yeah, right. here you go, guys. There's a contract. You can send us helicopters and do our search and rescue for us. And that's who do it. Bristow Helicopters is a t uh, company from Texas. Hey. All, all right. right. Hey. Over all of England, do you know? Uh, so it says here, Bristow Helicopters. 
Bristol Bristol Helicopters Limited holds a United Kingdom Civil Aviation Authority Type A operating license. It is permitted to carry passengers, cargo, and mail on craft with twenty seats or more. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's a UK wide thing. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> I mean, very much to kind of like hammer in the point, made famously, um, anyone that's familiar with um, 128 Hours, 120 Hours, whatever that movie was about that dude. 127, thank you. I was there. I was in the area. I didn't say like it was five hours. Five hours lost yeah, in the desert. Yeah, but Tom Bruno, it's generalizations like that that might just get you killed out in the wild. You know? <laughs> it's very true. It's very is it, true. Is it Not five even... blasts of a light that's a, you know, SOS? Is it five? I think it's five. No, it's three, Tom. Three and then three. <laughs> Fuck you. Listen, listen, I told you I didn't finish Boy Scouts. Leave me alone. <laughs> so uh, May famously in 127 hours, the one thing that the, the gentleman that, that was, you know, that, that that all happened to, the thing that he says very famously is that he did not tell anyone where he was going. He didn't tell anyone anything. So yeah. this all could have been a very much easier situation for him if he would have done so. Because, you know, day two, when you don't return, they're like, oh, we need to go look for Aaron. We don't know where the fuck he is. Um, but, uh, but he didn't. So, I mean, that really does kind of like drive the home that you should, of course, tell somebody where you're going because, you know, that's how someone's going to even know to look for you. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's very simple, but it's very honest. Well, he's wiping his, wiping his butt with a hook for the rest of his life because it's true. He didn't do it, right? it's and the true. irony, supposedly, he, he volunteered for SAR. So if anyone who works for search and rescue doesn't do what you're supposed to do in search and rescue, that's on them. Mm. And you know, I've got experience with some of this as well. A bit of a bit of mm. uh, survival. Well, only when I was a kid, right? So I've not done any army. I, haven't, I wasn't in the army or anything. But I wasn't in the scouts, but I was in the army cadets. And when you get a bit older, so like seventeen, eighteen, they kind of kick it up a gear just to see what you're made of, right? And um, we went on this one place where they were like, they kitted us out before we went out. They took us on a minibus, so we had webbing uh, and our uniform and a rifle, and we had they gave us ration packs and ground sheets and all stuff but they they kind of hijacked our minibus took us all out took all our kit off us and we had to like huddle up and we had to like share ground sheets with people and a ration pack would have to last for three days instead of one and things like this and like we'd go around like they chuck us a map they'd be like these these are your coordinates uh these are your checkpoints be there by these times otherwise we'll come and hunt you down uh, and it, it, was, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was amazing it was so so cool as a, as a kid I know, yeah. I was I was about seventeen and a half at the time. It was quite cool, um, and uh, they, we would learn how to survive. And then there was this one guy who was like, "What you need, right, is one of these combat knives, right?" And it just screws off. And inside here, yeah. I've got a flint and a piece of wool. And I was like, "No, I haven't got a combat knife. I'm 17. Like, <laughs> it was just so unrealistic. But it was a great experience, though, nonetheless. Look, yeah. So um, who, who did that experience? Who put you through that? It was the, uh, the 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 MOD, uh, the Ministry of Defence. It was uh, the, the Army Cadets. It was it was something that you could only sign up for if you knew like your shit up to a point. Do you know what I mean? They would never put okay. anybody in there that couldn't handle that, and it, it was well, a real stress relief. Mandatory. That's not Sorry? a mandatory thing. That's that's something voluntary that you chose to do. Then, yeah. correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It. it was. Yeah, it was called the uh, the Somme Senior Challenge. It was named after a famous battle. To bring up what you, boy, if 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 everyone had that some basic training like you had here in the USA and England, or whatever, we'd be a lot better off as a culture and nations because knowing how to do more with less and being self reliant 
is the hallmark to having a strong backbone and just being a, a full person. So I'm do you glad think, you did that. Do you think that's something that they should probably be teaching in school? Because, I mean, like, they, they cover a lot of things to prepare you to be an adult, but one thing they definitely don't do is cover, you know, basic survival skills. Do you think that would, you know, a lot of the future generations would benefit from something like that? Absolutely. I mean, I'm, I don't like mandatory stuff, but you can look at the stuff that's taught in school now. And, uh, boy, um, this generation, a couple of generations behind me, uh, we're hurting as far as self-reliance skills. It's all, if it's not on a screen, if it doesn't have power, it doesn't exist. I mean, where it just, there's no question in my mind that if there was basic survival training, junior high or high school, we'd have a lot stronger nation across the board for anyone who did that sort of training. Mm. And uh, last thing, because we are running short on time and you've been very, very generous uh, with us as it's been. Um, the, the school that you teach out in Prescott, Arizona, if I'm not mistaken? Correct. Okay, correct. Um, it's an Aboriginal um, uh, teachings. Is there a reason that it's that? Is it because it's the local tribe? Is it because their their teachings are more beneficial to you in a desert setting? What is it about them that you wanted to uh, teach the way their ways? Well, my school is called the Aboriginal Living Skills School, and yes, it's based out of Prescott, Arizona. But the word Aboriginal means First Peoples or Indigenous. It okay. has nothing to do with the Australian Aborigines. So okay. Alec comes from Aboriginal people in England. Tom, you come from Aboriginal people. If you look at your ethnicity, which I'm, you know, part Swede and Czech, Slovakian or whatever, oh. um, we, Aboriginal literally means first peoples or indigenous. And so much so that I had that on my brochure for about 20 years, Webster's Dictionary Definition, because people would always get that confused. Oh, you've been to the Outback. Well, not really. <laughs> I mean, that's not what the word means. So again, it's, it's trying to educate people that we're all from the back country. If you go back in our ancestry far enough, we all go, come from people who have what it took to live and survive, or you two wouldn't be here. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm Irish. So we used to eat potatoes and pray to the pagan gods. I mean, that's, that's kind of... <laughs> <laughs> hey, and have like sex cults, man. You guys rock. Fucking nothing wrong oh, with yeah. the Irish, bro. They rock, man. Yeah. Um, I, I got I got to say, Cody, like, one, thank you very much for taking the time out of your schedule because I know that you're extremely busy. Like, we had to plan around, like, you going out and doing your teaching. So I really appreciate you making the time for us, one. Two, I appreciate how honest you are with everything because there's so much bullshit out there now that it's really hard to kind of, like go through and weed out the phonies, the the real, everything about it. And I, I appreciate for you, you for that as well. And I really appreciate you as well for, you know, being as self-reliant as you are, because there is not enough of that in this world any longer. Everything's spoon-fed to, uh, spoon to us. And it's, it's a shame. I wish more people would have like the skills and the understanding of the world and kind of like the drive to be more like you. So thank you. Yeah, thank you both for having me on, and, and maybe this will make a difference um, with one of your listeners. You never know. Um, absolutely. Yeah. Um, now is the time, sir, where you could kind of like uh, tell people where they can find you, or not exactly, don't give me your location, but I mean like, you know, internet type <laughs> things, social media things, uh, maybe your school address, any of the stuff that would, you know, like pe you should want people to know. Sure. Again, my school is the Aboriginal Living Skills School. It's www.codylendine.com. That's spelled C-O-D-Y. L-U-N-D-I-N, and my courses run from April to October, so I'm, I'm in mid-season right now, and we do primitive living skills, making fire with sticks, catching fish with your hands, to modern survival skills, what happens when the Jeep breaks down in the Vermont mountains, 
to urban preparedness minus the walking zombies, you know, so um, <laughs> it's all hands-on. So um, this is our 30th year of training. So I appreciate both of you for having, uh, let me uh, on your show. No, thank you. Cody. Uh, no, thank you. And you know, if any youngsters listening that are just like, or anybody actually, I think anybody could do with learning a bit like this courses, like what Cody's offering they're fun they are fun they will test you you'll learn and uh, you'll get hands-on experiences with things you know i've known a few survival instructors that have just run just great courses and i've no reason to believe that cody's isn't any different so i mean i'm so so like privileged to have spoken to you cody thank you so much well thank you both okay um now cody what we're gonna do is we tend to uh bullshit with each other we haven't seen each other in a couple weeks i went on vacation and uh, alex was doing all the hard work while i was gone so we're going to do a little bit of catch up but we don't make our uh, guests stick around for that type of nonsense because it's boring it's boring (laughs) um so once again take care of yourself okay both of you stay safe and thanks for having me on come on again soon cody we'll get you on again some other time it'd be nice to catch up off season we'd more than love to have you back on when you're not extremely busy okay guys take care all right you as well thank you sir Thank you. Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, give this Cody Lundian. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. So if you hit that leave, stu- oh, he's gone. Right, let's, he, did. Uh, sh- he left. Yeah, he, he left. He did it, man. He's he gone. did it. He didn't, yeah. he didn't even buy yeah. at all. No, no he didn't. He's over the, to the, the later lounge. Later lounge. Later lounge. Yeah, let's slip. Slip on into the late. cozy in here room's the right temperature there's water everywhere we have plenty of ways to hydrate and regulate our hydro temperature yeah sure. <laughs> anyways that was fun that was good that was educational i love that oh what a nice guy what a nice guy i love it when a guest comes on and he's like oh this guy's british i'm gonna i'm gonna talk about british isms so we yes. can uh bond so a could, little bit so you could be your buddy fucking i i love it because he didn't have any time for bullshit which i i once again like we we've run into so many people that spout bullshit not any of our lovely guests mind you just people out in the world and you know they they tend to like kind of like be gentle with you and be like oh no it's like this because he's like no that's not it. this is it and oh that person's not right this is right and he was very blunt with and honest i love that about people more people should be blunt and honest it, it seemed as like a bad trait but i don't see any badness in it no, no i thought it was really good i mean we I, we love to speak to people from all walks of life and that is about as much mm. as much as all walks of life as you can get it if you, if you you know that's a weird way i know right yeah. no, no no it's good it's it's very accurate um, so um before before we get on to holiday talk with you i want to mm. get on to this uh this american style restaurant that i went to last night called the smoke stop in shrewsbury mm. first of all i'm back on the keto so i'm having to be careful about what i'm gonna eat so uh I've, i'm doing really well look i've got a jawline again look at that yeah, look at that man. sexy jawline you could be a jawline model yeah, I could be. Um, and uh, I said to the wife as we, uh, um, Timmy was having a play date, and I was like, "Oh, let's go out for some food." Immediately regretted my decision because going out for keto 
Uh, going out to eat while you're on keto is boring as fuck or awkward, you know. So uh, we were thinking, where can we go? And we were thinking meat meat restaurants, you know, somewhere that sells yeah. really good meat. So it, we look for barbecue places. Obviously, I like Hickory's, but Hickory's is full as fuck ever. You can, can't get a table there. So um, we went to the Smoke Stop in Shrewsbury. And it's a, it's, a, it's like an American-themed restaurant. I'm going to show you the restaurant first. So uh, Let's do it. Uh, uh, hey, look at have... that flag. That's all yeah. America right there. And look uh, at that baseball so, glove. America. Yeah. Yeah, so this is what we're seeing now, guys. That are watching. It's nice booths, uh, like like nice wooden things. You got like the the moose antlers there, or cow antlers, and all those. Look at the uh, chicken wire. It's like someone's gonna throw bottles at you. Yeah, there's a big booth there. We've sat there years ago. It's so crazy. That it still looks the same. Um, so this is a bit blurry. I'm sorry. They got, I was trying to do it discreetly. I didn't want to look like a health inspector just walking around taking. <laughs> 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 but hey, maybe you would have gotten the best food ever like that. They're like, oh, here's our special menu, Mister Sir, and they just hand it and slide it. You know, they're like, well, I have. Rating. I have this habit now of when I go, go on the biscuit instagram and be like i am here uh, and like because sometimes they'll like while i'm eating my thing and i can just imagine them peering over the like you know it's the shoesby biscuit guy here like, you know. <laughs> yeah, look at that jawline um so this is uh, the 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 uh, the moose horns here uh and then you've not moose, moose cow, horns that's a cow, that's that's a, a cow, that's right? cow. yeah that's yeah a cow. i've hit one of those moose trust me that ain't no moose horns that's a long horn yeah yeah, yeah. It's a steer um, and uh, these pictures here are people that have taken on challenges, food challenges that they had, like this one here, which is the 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 monster Ooh. nacho challenge. So you got nachos, pit beans, brisket, chili, cheese, guacamole, Six salsa. Pounds of food, Jesus Christ! I I shared that on Facebook and uh, and tagged Randy Santel into it because I thought, hey, if he ever comes back to the UK, you know, you never mind. And if you eat that, you get it for free. If not, it's twenty five quid, sucker. Um, <laughs> <laughs> And this is the, this is, I know, man, it's a lot of carbs. This is the meal I had, though. Um, Oh, all right, look at that. Brisket there, I took the croutons, obviously, at the salad and had the coleslaw there and the barbecue sauce was the only thing that was bad for me, but I'm still in ketosis and I lost weight, so fuck you, fuck you. (laughs) Well, it's just just a game of managing. I mean, like, in all honesty, it's totally fine. I'm, I'm wondering why they put the onion and the pickle on that brisket, though. That's confusing to me. No? You don't do that? You don't have a... No, no, no. I mean, like, everything else about that is very authentic. I mean, okay. So let's go through this little by little. Um, the brisket looks amazing. Very well cooked. It looks it like it's smoked, sexual. obviously. Very tender. You can see it, like, flaking off the end of it. The pickles and the onion make no sense to me. That we, That's not something in America we would do. Um, the coleslaw right there on the bed of lettuce, that is absolutely something we'd do. I don't know why they have that in a cast iron pan for your salad, though. That's, yeah, that's, that's a, interesting. That was an odd choice. That's the kind of thing you bring out. A chicken sizzler. That's that. That's a chicken yes. sizzler pan, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, very much so. And but, like other than that, dude, like that's all stuff that we'd eat. Um, I, generally speaking, I don't think we would. I mean, I'm sure you chose the salad because that was the side you could choose. Um, yeah, the rest yeah. of it was probably very much. But like generally speaking, it'd be like a, like a harsh sliced roast a potato or something along those lines but that's very authentic i'd eat the shit out of that the only critique i've got of this and i'm sorry smoke stop uh, but i'm gonna do this for every fucking restaurant that do this don't put my food on paper man i am using that's authentic very... i don't give a fuck i'm using a very sharp steak knife there that's gonna cut through the paper and i did there's like uh, where i was cutting and eating my food the, the paper just separated and i was just eating on a, a plain plastic tray or a piece of wood or whatever the fuck a restaurant wants to bring out put it on a fucking plate 
Yes, like a, a, a wooden cutting board would probably be better for that. I mean, they'd obviously you have to get like a bamboo one or something so you can like actually afford to keep replenishing them. But that would be a little bit more authentic. But like that's how they do it in Texas, man. They just throw that shit on your plate and it's like, there you go, bitches. Eat it. So, so um, out of five, what does a smoke stop get for American authenticity from you? Mm, I, I give it like three and a half, four, dude. Without tra- tasting that brisket, I definitely give it. It's up there, man. Like they, they're definitely hitting on the highlights of like American culture. Hence the fucking horns and the the, the baseball of it all. But it's very good looking. Like that looks just like any uh, uh, barbecue joint I would stop to around where I live, and that's that's full fledged. Um, what was the wait? What's the normal wait time on something like that? Because it's gonna flow very nicely into my vacation. What was the wait time for that? Uh, well, we went there. We met fucking business, right? So yeah. the waitress come up, and there's bottomless drinks, and we had the Pepsi Max, obviously. Um, mm. or was Co- Coke Zero, the same thing. Uh, so we were like, we'll go bottomless with the drinks, and we're ready to order our food. And she was like, oh, really? So uh, she took our food order, and within, I don't know, less than 10 minutes, our food was there. It was very quick. Oh, very, very quick. Right. So, yeah, I mean... Um, uh, so yeah, smoke stop. Very good. Uh, I really enjoyed it, and the food was very much like breakfast at Tiffany's. I fucking I ate that that brisket, and I almost come in my pants. I was like, oh, oh, <laughs> oh brisket, oh brisket. God, this is good. So, yeah, it was very good. Cuts of meat. Um, so we, I was on vacation this week. I don't know if anyone. No shit, they really? might have. Yeah, I was. I was. I totally was. Um, I went down to South Carolina with the family. Uh, we had a lot of food out. Like we still, we got a, we got a. The wife got a hotel room that had like a kitchen and everything in it because we wanted to do some of our own cooking to you know save on money. But um, went out to eat a lot, including this seafood uh, buffet. That first of all, like there's a huge hiring shortage in South Carolina right now. They they need people to move down there and work for them and stuff. There's such really? like everyone kept yeah, dude. Everyone said the same thing. They're like, dude, there's not enough. There's too people many to, jobs, man. Dude, too, all working. Fuck. Too many jobs. And they're like advertising like fuck. They're like, yo, we'll give you 15 bucks an hour to come and work for us. Please fucking work for us. Sign on bonuses for things like McDonald's and Wendy's. And you're like, whoa, that's, that's a lot of money to be offering just to go flip a burger. But there's a huge shortage uh, down south with with people that need to be hired. Um, Is that because of COVID or what? I think it's like people, you know, they can go back to, and this is this is not political. I hope it doesn't sound political, but I, th- I feel like there's such a huge light at the end of the tunnel when it comes to oh no, that's not even the proper word there's such like uh, okay so right now when you're on unemployment you also get offered the bonus like they give you like an extra three to six hundred dollars bonus on top of your normal unemployments so when you're making that every single week make it almost double what you'd make working an actual job it's not hard to figure out why people don't want to go back to work like fuck you i'm already making more than that and the name of the game is make money not fucking make money the the right way or whatever it might be so i think that has a lot to do with it I think COVID still scares a lot of people, which is, you know, for obvious reasons, not everybody wants to get vaccinated, which even if you do get vaccinated, it's not a guarantee that you're not going to get COVID. Um, It's just going to lessen the effects of said COVID. Now, um, the first restaurant we went to, um, everything in North Carolina was plenty staffed. Like it was over, like everybody wants to be outside right now. Um, So that's where if you look on my Facebook page, you'll see like the big giant slice of pizza, which I got because I was like, oh shit, giant slices of pizza. That sounds excellent. It was very good. Um, My cousin's like, you're only going to need that one pizza. I was like, fuck you. I eat food. 
my kids eat food and we got that and like a large pizza on the side and jesus christ we did not need two pizzas we did not need two pizzas at all um, i've had a pizza like that i had a pizza like that in colombia they're the same sort of size one of these things that you just like bring for the door at, at yeah. an angle because it's that big and we were like what the fuck and it fed the whole family it was amazing yeah if i go back and i will go back next time i'm down there uh, we're actually making plans um we're we're kind of like looking at vacation homes like hey, you no. know nothing Yes, we are. No, no I mean, we're not no, going to move down no. there. What, what, no. do you, what are you doing? No, we're looking at vacations. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, no. But like if we had a vacation home, sure. then I bring my shit down there and everything's set up for when I'm down there. Yeah, I know. Trust me, dude. I, I, Alex mentioned me. He's like, hey, man, you ready for this weekend? I was like, oh, I'm so fucking ready for this weekend. He's like, do you want to do three shows? I was like, fuck yeah, I want to do three shows. Let's do six. I miss recording. <laughs> I miss it like crazy because I, I have so much bullshit to spew. I, my family gets tired of me really fast, so they don't want to hear it. Um, But there, there was so much food. So we did that We uh, the first time. My cousin housed us it was excellent went to a great beach oh my kids enjoyed the fuck out of it dude like my youngest has never been to a real ocean beach like in a place in time where he actually enjoyed it he used to be so scared of the water and now he's not so he's jumping in the waves throwing water everywhere the older two are boogie boarding great time we get down to myrtle beach and it's gorgeous it was supposed to rain the entire week and the wife kept like this never-ending positivity about it where she's like it's gonna be fine we're gonna be fine and i'm like look at the fucking weather showing it's shitty and she's like it's gonna be fine stop being such a debbie downer and she was right she was 100 right and we found out later on that because we're on the coast the way that we were that weather is so unpredictable down there that like the weather channel almost never gets right like they, it might they're like oh it's gonna rain all day and then it rains for 15 minutes and it's gone sunlight beautiful so it's it's excellent um we we did like the beach a whole bunch we went to like this place called the wonderworks which was this excellent indoor like theme park almost where they deal with science and um i don't know if you saw the video of me alex going around in the yellow bike me and tom tom it's like a propulsion thing where you, where you i saw make that your... i thought fuck dude. that straight away <laughs> dude it was a lot of fun like the only thing i regretted doing was they had one of those astronaut training balls where they spin you like in different ways and that made me sick as fuck i was like uh shouldn't do that you're too old you old fuck i've got the picture for that somewhere i'm gonna find it keep talking um so like things like that were excellent because it also tells me where my kids are in relevancy to wanting to do things like that so since we enjoyed that and we enjoyed the aquarium and we had great food out i got to see my family went to the simpsons uh 4d theater um which i got a really badass cup um it's not in here right now because i took it outside but it says uh, squishy on it and i got a pin because i'm cool like that um i got a badass putter uh for my golf bag which my wife was so understanding about she was like hey so we're going down. Why don't you get yourself a putter? There's so many golfers down there. I bet you can find something good. And I was like, fuck yeah, let's do that. And I found an amazing putter for a great uh, deal. And I love it to death. Um, it, it was a lot of fun, dude. Like, but once again, it, it's the travel, right? Cause when I explained to you guys, yeah, there's me in an astronaut outfit. I tried making it look like I farted. Could do you get that from that? No, I, like, I thought you were trying to, I, I thought you were trying to do a bit of smolder there. Kind of like, no, it was more like a who the fuck farted? Oh yeah, it's me because I'm in a suit. Um, it was it was really cool. Like I love the Wonderworks. We we had no idea what it was going to be about. And generally speaking, when my family goes somewhere, we fly through attractions. Like we could we killed the aquarium, something we spent almost two hundred bucks on. We killed it in an hour like flat we're like oh we're done we we just you know we see shit we go we make sure we check out everything we do all the stuff that's available but we're fast moving like we are very very fast moving family 
Um, so when we do things like that, we, we tend to like do in a lot less time than Google predicts. Like Google's like, you could spend two to three hours at the aquarium, depending on what you do. We're like, fuck you an hour. The wonder works. On the other hand, we spend almost two hours at that fucking place. And we got there early. Like we got there. There's nobody in line. And we're looking at these posts that say from this point, you have an hour and 15 minute wait until you get to the front. And we're like, huh, I wonder why they have those signs there. We get out two hours later, and the line is around the fucking building, Alex. It was huge. Such a big line. Um, so that was interesting. So much fun. Uh, we, I got to try all the southern food I brought back. I smuggled a bunch of uh, bottles of barbecue sauce back. Um, I got Krispy Kreme donuts, Alex. You're familiar with Krispy Kreme, yeah? Yeah, they're everywhere here. Yeah. Oh, Kreme. yeah. really? You have Krispy Kreme yeah, yeah. over there? Yeah, Are they, yeah, do they a, have... Uh, there's... Um, you, you get like... Uh, you can buy them in the supermarket. They have the proper Krispy Kreme uh, sort of uh, restaurants there with the machinery in the background. So you can see the okay. going in. Yeah. yeah so. See, I, I did not know that was a Krispy Kreme thing because I'm used to Dunkin' Donuts. I've only bought Krispy Kremes. Like you can go to a school f- function and you can order Krispy Kreme donuts to be sent to you. And it's just the standard glaze. But they actually had the um the conveyor belt and then in the donuts behind him and it was really really fucking cool man like it was so cool that i almost bought a hat 20 bucks i didn't buy it um because my wife's like yeah I totally get the hat you know she's like still jiving off of father's day so she's trying to make me happy and i was like yeah it's it's mainly white all dirtied up and i i almost regret it because i like the hat a lot but I, dude it was such a cool experience and the only thing that really sucked was the way back um, there was a uh, there was a problem at the George Washington Bridge, part of the main interstate that brings us back to where we live. And Google Maps, like like when I go places I'm not familiar with, I follow Google Maps. I'm like, oh, Google lead me astray. So this would have happened to me as well. But Google like led my wife all the way the fuck around everything, which added like four hours onto our trip. And she's like, you know, I was complaining about Google Maps. She's like, well, what the fuck? It's not my fault. I'm like, no, no, not you. Because I would have done the same thing. I'm like, why the fuck would Google Maps do this to us? Why'd you betray us, Google Maps? You bastards. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I we have um, me, me. By the way, guys, if you're wondering why I've got ink all over me. <laughs> I wonder how much Cody wondered about that. He's like, "What the fuck is what did, is?" Well, is he I, I wiped up? the teardrop. I wiped, I wiped the teardrop from my eye because I thought I don't want him to think I've been in prison for shanking someone up. <laughs> yeah, I, I've just been to. I've just done prison break. It's been you know. You guys know me. If you watch the show, yeah, you know me. we know um, you. But yeah, Kaz is Kaz uses obviously she's an iPhone thing, so she uses the Apple Map shit. I I use Google Maps like you, man. I'm the same, and I by far. Apple has fucked us up so many times. It's like, oh, yeah, you go to this place. Why don't you go in the back way where the traffic's one way? Why don't you just do that instead? And we're like, fuck that shit, man. I mean, uh, yeah, you, you should uh, you should really do your do your research, Tom, and, and plan ahead with your maps. I'm not joking. If, well, we, no, if we see if we see funnily enough. Traffic, yeah. Go on. No, I was going to say it, funnily enough. That's it. Yeah. If you see bad traffic, Alex. You, you just hit choosing of a route. And that's guess what? That's what you did, uh, and it just fucked you. <laughs> like we're gonna take you everywhere, but the place you're supposed to go. Um, well, we we took this as a learning experience because one, we are too reliant on Google Maps. Like clearly, we are. So what we want to do is in the future, we want to like look at our thing. We want to kind of do it without it. We want to go old school about it and actually use maps and plan routes and stuff like that because it, it, one, it would teach it. Like my wife's very well versed in the road, man. Like she remembers highway numbers and shit like that. I'm not. 
at all. I know things. Like, I'm like, oh, you go down to the McDonald's and you take a right and then you get past this. And I'm good at landmarks. So the last yeah. thing we're going to do for the summer, the last big thing, is we're going to go to a, a place called The Great Escape. It's a, it's an amusement park. It's a Six Flags adjacent type thing. It's going to be a good time, water parks. And um, I think I'm going to kind of like print out, like I'm going to get a map and actually just use that and try to like tell my wife how to do it. And she follows the directions and vice versa. Make sure you take plenty of variant clothing and, and fluids with you. Yes, uh, yes, so you can yes. Regulate yes. your temperature. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, anal temperature too. I, I inject that stuff in my behind, and I'm gonna cool off. There, there were so many things I wanted to ask Cody. By the way, that I just didn't feel were proper to, and I, I feel like we tend to do things like for clarification purposes that people might not understand. Like we'll re-ask a question that we don't think was answered to I the fullest to extent. Him, I wanted to ask him. I ended up on the TV. Yeah, but then he very quickly dismissed the fact that he did not want to talk about the discovery thing. So I, I kind of want to just like not <laughs> mention it. Um, but I did bring up his t- his TV show prior to that, which was not Discovery adjacent. So I figured that'd be okay. And I don't know. It, it was a lot of fun. Like once again, I I am so appreciative of the people that come on the show and, and yeah. take their time out of their schedule to talk to us because we're just a couple dudes. You know, we're just a couple yeah. guys. We don't know anything like they do. Uh- and you've got some fucking killer TV to catch up on as well. Loki is just absolutely smashing it, man. I watched episode two, so I am almost up to date on Loki. It's very entertaining. Um, it, it's very interesting. Do they just, I mean, you obviously find out, spoiler, 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 spoilers about Loki. Stop listening now if you don't want to hear stuff. Um, they obviously announce who the girl version of Loki is, right? Or whatever she might be. They they Do they cover that in episode three? Episode three, they give you a whole... Let's get to know your type episode. Nice. So it's it's quite they kind of sit and they sort of like talk about different things in their life and stuff. So yeah, they do have a good sit down and a good chat and stuff. And that's very much what episode three is. It's actually quite nice. People are complaining about episode three, but I thought, no, slow down. I want to know what's going on. Just just relax a little bit. There's a lot of people like meh, meh, because it's not like and and the thing is about episode three, there's no spoilers, by the way. It is visually stunning. There's lots of explosions and stuff, lots going on. I think people with at the moment with this sort of stuff are just so fucking spoiled. We are. We're just so spoiled. Yes. We've got everything right now. If you've got nothing amazing going on on, on Disney Plus at the moment, there's Netflix, there's Amazon, and there's so and there's HBO over you guys, you know, and, and Paramount, you know, stuff going on everywhere. We have definitely become spoiled. If it's not like a TV series with uh, a budget that equals fucking Lord of the Rings or something, shit, I, you know, we're all complaining. But I think, no. I, I think. I, I, um, I think Owen Wilson, yep. by the way, Owen yes. Wilson is fucking back, baby. Yeah, dude. In such a big, bad way. Like we were talking about me and the wife were like, wow, that's just, I mean, you can see it's Owen Wilson. You can see everything about it. You can hear him, but he's so on top of his game. And I'm so grateful. They put him in a fucking Marvel, uh, uh, Jason, uh, Marvel production because it's just so well done. Like you would, I really want to know more about his character. Cause once again, they take like little itty bitty characters from Marvel history and they're like, Oh, we're going to make this person very big. So they already have a huge backstory. I've never even heard of Mobius before this. So now I got to go back and find out what he's done, where he's been, because I bet you he's a lot more badass than, you know, we're led to believe right now. Um, question for, for predictions. What do you think is going on with those uh, time dudes? Because like, they really make it seem like there's something else going on in the background with that i don't think they exist i don't, don't think, think they, they exist, exist. 
there's the, the, the time watches or whatever they're called no that i don't think they, they exist and you'll find out there's at uh, the end of episode three you'll find out why there's a lots of fuckery going on here uh, and i feel like loki is gonna f- he's gonna think he's doing something good and he's gonna fuck everything up he's gonna just cause chaos I kind of got that feeling from that girl that Owen Wilson's like either into or they dated or something, whatever she might be like the overlord chick. I really get that feeling because she's very like, well, we do this because the time Lord say so we do it because of this. You don't want to say against the time people. And I'm like, mm, you're giving a lot of emphasis on what they want and what they do uh, to, to cross uh, Marvel and DC over. I'm getting a very Amanda Waller type feel about her Amanda Waller from the uh, Suicide Squad yeah. she'll just do anything to get the mission done um, but there's um, what I was going to say yeah and Tara Strong is now in the MCU as well Tara Strong we like Tara Stall Strong that. yeah dude Fuck she plays the clock yeah excellent excellent and, no wonder she uh, said no to our fucking <laughs> to our show a couple times because she's like fuck you i'm in marvel now bitches i don't need you <laughs> she said yes at first and we just couldn't agree on a time fuck's sake tara come on the show um but apparently there's more to her character than you will than you understand now if you think about it right she's a a, a computer program and she says he says are you are you alive or are you a program he says she says a bit of both yes now, what was what was jarvis ai a little bit of both and they turned him into Ultron. I know the answer to this. So, so like you know, when you look at something as silly as that, as the, a talking clock, uh, maybe there's more there. I just think there's that they're just they are they are on it, man. So ever since the reappearance of Red Skull in in Infinity War and Endgame, I was like the fucking continuity, the balls that these guys have got that to write the story and let it play out over ten years. I'm thinking. They haven't just thrown this shit together. They know what they're doing. Absolutely. How badass was it when they opened the drawer and he's like, are those Infinity Stones? He's like, yeah, there's a bunch of them. People use them as paperweights. I was like, holy shit. Like, that was excellent. That was so cool. There's that scene um, in uh, in Infinity War, though, that they're like, nobody has had the strength, no, the nobility to carry two Infinity Stones. And Thanos is like this. And then you got that guy like, with his draw. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of uh, things that are on top of the game, have you seen the latest episode of Rick and Morty? No, because Ooh. I um no, no no no. This is what I this is this is my process because what happens here in the UK is it won't go on to Netflix straight away because it will go on to Netflix because we're still getting it on Netflix. I know you guys aren't. It's on oh. um it's on is it on Hulu. Paramount? Hulu. It's on Hulu, but they don't do that until the end of the season. I watch it on Adult Swim, the app, um, mm-hmm. which if you have we, cable television. We can't get that. They don't ha- mm, those dirty motherfuckers. Well, that's on there. I that's tried. fine. Um, me and the me and the wife, like I saw that Rick and Morty was I was like, oh my god, they're doing it on a Monday. They're so ballsy. Speaking of ballsy, dude, they do everything they possibly can to not get like fans ready for the show they'll do things like release it on a monday they'll do things like not tell us they're releasing at all and like all of a sudden people are just so rabid for more rick and morty like nope 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 we're on top of it and it's just there it's fucking excellent didn't they, didn't they create like um a wendy's rick and morty drive-thru yes it's just like a giant fucking tunnel 
12 hour wait if you want to go through it. My wife, wow. like Shona, already looked at. She was like, "Tom, look at this." I'm like, "What the fuck? I want Wendy or Morty's, whatever. Fuck, I want." <laughs> uh, and they got the shakes, haven't they? Where it's like uh, the the fucking Jerry, fucking generic Jerry Berry or something. I don't know. Jerry That's Berry. excellent. I, I like that. <laughs> Jerry Berry's hilarious. Um, when you do watch the latest episode, you're gonna love it. Um, it's I I would. I would say it's better than the last season premiere. Like, but I still love that season premiere. Like, the thing is, like, after a season comes out, I go back and rewatch it and I rewatch it and I rewatch it. And now I love all those episodes from the last season. It doesn't matter what it is, I still think they're amazing. Even the train episode is excellent. Um, this first episode right off the bat was great. It was fucking fantastic. As far as the uh the the uh, opening episode of season four, I wasn't a massive fan. I wasn't a massive fan. I like it now, but I don't. Yes. I don't think. I still don't think it stands up to uh, episode one of season three. That's probably one of the no. best, the the best they've ever, the best way they've ever started anything, like them breaking out of prison and stuff. That was just so fucking good. It so it is phenomenal. Good. This is not on that level. This is different. Um, we I'm not going to spoil it for you, but I'm going to tell you little highlights. Uh, we meet. Um, we we meet Rick's rival. Um, it's not who you're going to think it is. It's not somebody you're expecting. It's no one we've seen before, but it's his nemesis. He keeps using the word nemesis, and it's very, very interesting. It's it's so incredibly funny, and there's just so much that's fucked about it. Um, it would seem that Beth and Jerry are on a good foot. Like they're they're in a much better situation, even more so than last season. Um, Summer is more involved, but in the background, so that's something look look towards. Um, and it's, it's very, very intriguing. I can't wait to see where, what happens this season. I'm hoping we get some fucking closure on evil Morty. God damn it. Mm. Mm. There's a few, there's mm. a few people though, that, that I think we need to bring back. Like, you know, the miniverse is car, his car battery. That guy yeah. there. I want him to come back and try and get one over him. I want him back. I, I thought they were great. That that like you don't think I can craft stuff? I can craft stuff. I'm crafting stuff right now. <laughs> it's so fucking good. Did you see that thing about the Vindicators having their own spinoff? Yes, I did, and I think that's a great idea. Although Fuck I yes. feel like I feel like a ball fundalist would have been better. <laughs> I mean, you want yeah. another ball fundalist? Well, the thing is, like, what what's the best thing about the Vindicators episode, Rick? So I mean, Rick, like, yeah. I'd be very interested. Yeah, yeah, I'd be very interested to see how they kind of like do it by themselves, because like I don't watch. I, I mean, like, I'm not going to hold any thing. You know, I don't. I don't want to like shit on it before it's out. But I mean, like, what I liked about the Vindicators is Rick being contrary to the Vindicators. That's what I like about it. So I'll be. I'm very interested to see what they do with it. I, I feel like. Um, I feel like that was definitely a dig at the Avengers. It's kind of like ah, oh, it was a big thing last summer. Right now, yeah. it's just like a rerun. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not a big fan. It's so, so clever. Um, have you watched their new series yet, which is on Disney Plus? Uh, which one? Fuck, what's it called? What if? Um, no, the Avengers. The Avengers. Is it that one about the background stuff, like uh, like the sh- how they made it? There's so much on Disney Plus. Um, my family watched that uh, Luna, Luca, whatever it was. The the the, the fucking Solar Opposites. There you go, Solar. Opposites. Oh, Solar Opposites. Solar Opposites on Disney Plus. Yeah, it's well, no, it's on Star, obviously. Star. Okay, so yeah, because we, I I watched Hulu. like I watched yes, exactly. I watched it on a few episodes on Hulu, and I thought it was good. Like there's there's mm. nothing wrong with that show. I think I watched the entirety of it. I like the episode where like. They find like this character that they really like, and he turns out to be a real dick. I thought that was excellent. Um, 
I, I do love that, and I'm looking forward to Rick and Morty. But I, I like what they do over here is they play it on Channel Four because it's mm. on Adult Swim, and Adult Swim have got like this fucking dick touching thing with Channel Four. <laughs> like, oh, we'll do everything there. But they'll play an episode on the night, so Friday at nine thirty, you got Rick and Morty, and then it's gone. It's gone. Hmm. You can't rewatch it, and I'm like, fuck that shit so i'll just wait for it to come on netflix or i'll acquire it and watch it uh, you know i want to yeah. watch it all though um i need you guys to try and find something and watch something not because okay so there's this uh, tv movie type show that was released on, B- on bbc called time and it stars um what's his name fucking uh sean bean um and he goes to prison his guy goes to prison and it's filmed at shrewsbury prison film there oh and the reason why i want you guys to watch it is because it's a very different sean bean it's a, it's not like old guy trying to be an action hero uh fuck things up and die type shit it's like i feel like he's taking a different spin on acting you know hmm. um he's, yeah. he's he's an older he's an older guy he's trying to understand life and he has these almost brian cranston-esque moments where you feel like some there's some changes going on there and Mm-hmm. Um, it's very good. So look for it. It's a, it's, it's a BBC show. It's called Time, and it's a prison drama. And it's it. People are raving about it over here. They're talking about it as being one of the best things that BBC has made in years. So you can catch that. Hmm. Uh, watch it and let me know what you think. Do you know I watched um, over the vacation that I, I didn't even plan on watching, but it just happened to be there. I watched Tommy Boy for the first time in years. The Chris Farley movie, uh, Tommy Boy. Are you serious? <laughs> I remember seeing the trailer. I'd never watched. <gasps> what are you? What? It was. Are you, fucking you know. Mean? You remember when you uh, like uh, at the beginning of every like VHS movie, they'd have, they'd have like the trailers at the beginning. Yeah. Um, that Tommy Boy thing was fucking everywhere at one point. I think yeah. I have watched it. I think I have watched it, but it's not like it's not like embedded in my is, brain. You know is I mean? Chris Farley not that big of a thing? Like, I mean, obviously he's dead, so you know, rest in peace, Chris Farley. But I mean, like, Chris Farley's an icon over here. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, th- I think so, but maybe, maybe a bit, bit more over in America. I don't know. Okay, well, I mean, like you know, Tommy Boy is just about a, a ne'er do well son who kind of can't get his shit together, and he takes over the family business because of some um, death in the family, and it's very, very entertaining. It's it's great, Chris Farley. It's it's him and his you know his power, most powerful he's ever been with David Spade back when David Spade was actually good. Um, I, I <laughs> wow, that just threw me through a loop so badly. I was just gonna be like, wow, I, I forgot how much I enjoyed that movie. You're like, hmm, hmm, hmm. Wow. I- uh yeah i mean maybe hmm. if i watched it now i don't but that that was the era there like jim carrey was like massive and yes. you know there, 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 there was like it was different for me growing up i don't know this is the difference hmm. between you i think this is the difference between you and me rather than the us and uk because i'm pretty sure he's loved over here as well you know chris farley's huge isn't he do you know what i mean so, i mean if i say things like living in a van down by the river does that like bring anything to your head Nothing. Mm. Nothing. All right, because that w- that was like a very famous SNL skit. See, that's very intriguing to me. Um, we need to end the show now because I can't talk to somebody that doesn't know Chris Farley. No, we got to do it because we're running short on time and we have another show to do. We do in about half an hour. Um, okay, guys, I need to tell you guys about <coughs> sorry about My him dying. Like, My friend was like, "No, you don't." Um, <laughs> about you guys, if you listen every week, you will know. Uh, but if you're listening to this um, new and you invo- you want to get involved, please do. We're doing a 24 hour live podcast uh, to Woo! raise money for a local charity. I'm going to bring up this um, 
this graphic right now, but things are going to change because we have a new name, a brand, and it's been done by a professional company in Reach, who are our main sponsors. They have branded it, they're going to logo it, and they're going to give us t-shirts, hats, all sorts. Do I we're going to send you a we're going to send you out the uh, the blueprints for the print off, and you can probably get one cheaper to get you one made in America and get it sent to you guys. Yeah, you know I see I mean? how it is. Once again, UK first. Fuck I understand. You, fuck you. Fuck <laughs> you yeah. um, but here's the the old graphics. This is the twenty four hour podcast challenge, and on the ninth of uh, sorry, at nine a.m. On the 29th of September, uh, we're going to go live, uh, and we're not going to stop until 9 a.m. on the 30th of September. We're going to do 12 hours of the Shrewsbury Biscuit and 12 hours of USUC. And this is to raise money for a local cancer charity, Lingen Davis. Uh, we are, we the, the guest spots are filling up really quickly on the biscuit. All the prime, all the prime time slots, all full. Awful. We've got like four people left to do on the biscuit. We're working hard on you, suck. I've been messaging, messaging, messaging. I emailed Melissa Joan Hart yesterday, her own personal email. Uh, wow. Let's get some fucking Sabrina on. Why the fuck not? I mean, you know. Uh, Use your teenage witch powers to make them donate more. Yeah, that's it. And we're selling hour-long um, sponsorship s- slots as well. So if you want to sponsor an hour and have this hour is brought to you by Tom Bruno and us to display your logos on the screen, please get in touch. And I've been told, I'm very sorry, this isn't because of uh, any preference, but I've been told to use just the one email and the one website. But go to the shoeswithbiscuitpodcast.co.uk and use that email, um, the shoeswithbiscuitpodcast at at gmail.com uh, please get in touch with us uh, because we want to hear from you and the only reason i'm using that one email is not preference over two shows just use the one email and to make it easier um yeah, yeah. Very <laughs> and um, on the on the 14th of july we launch a brand new show oh you have a date oh 14th of July is the launch, and it is yelling at clouds with the genius that is Eric Fluger. If you are fans of Hollywood Babylon or Smogco in, 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 in general, you'll know who Eric Fluger is. He's a very famous artist. He's a very clever guy. And this is going to be a podcast where I hit record and let Eric go for between one and two hours and I just sit back and let him go. Like it says with Alex Whiteley, but yeah, yeah I don't yeah. feel like I'm going to be there much, you know? Um, no. And this is going to be the type of podcast where you can sit with a glass of brandy or whatever in front of a crackling fire and just enjoy. We're very excited about it. Um, and what other shows have we got on, on Tom Bruno? Uh, oh, I'm so glad you asked me what kind of shows we have on here. So we have this show. What's the difference podcast with Alex Whiteley and Tom Bruno. We uh, bring on interesting guests like Cody Lundin or yesterday we talked to a bunch of uh, reenactors from the battle of Shrewsbury. If I'm not mistaken. Take it there. All right. Very good. Um, so we, we talk to everyone from all walks of life. That's what we like to do. There is uh, the You Suck Chronicles with Jamie Westwood and Tom Stevens. Um, they just barely had Ian Danter on, which is an amazing episode. I look forward to hearing it as well. Um, they bring on, they do a similar thing, but with their own beautiful spin, which is they bring on guests and they talk to them. Um, there's Yelling at Clouds coming July 13th. 
14th, 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 July 14th. Look for that. And every single Wednesday, you can look forward to Wednesday Night Live, which is our live show where we bring on anyone from USUC that actually has a couple seconds to talk. And we just, you know, bullshit. We catch up. We play games. That's our favorite thing to do is we play games. So if you know any games that you want us to play on this, please send it to our Gmail, send it to anything. And you can find all these amazing shows and more on our website, usucknetwork.com. If you like any of our stuff, if you if you like us, man, go to usucknetwork.com. That's the home for everything that is usuck. And we love and are very proud of our website because it was, it was built for us by the great people over at weborchard.com. Uh, weborchard.com, guys, is a uh, website creating uh, a website. That makes no sense. Um, but what they'll do mm-hmm. is if you have an idea, if you have something you want to sell, these are the type of guys that will build you a online presence. I mean, it's one thing to have social media be the way that you kind of like sell your stuff or whatever it might be but the fact is that's not good enough never will be never has been um you might get some success off it but a website really tells people that you have made it so if you need a website i would definitely recommend reaching out to professionals because you know there's plenty of like third rate people or websites whatever the fuck ever apps that say hey well you can build your own website if you have time for that shit i don't want to know you because i'm a busy dude and so is alex so we have to do things like reach out to professionals who build amazingly functional websites for us so if you have an etsy and only fans page if you have pictures of your cats whatever it might be and you want people to know about it you need a website and there's nobody in the world better for the for you than weborchard.com so reach out and hey say the you suck guys send us because that helps them let them know that you listen to us and uh, you know, talking about what Tom just said, uh, when it came, our website actually broke the other day. The play button broke, and like Tom says, I went up to my website and went, "Hey, dude, I ain't got time for your fucking shit." So I literally went, "Yo, guys at Web Orchard, our play button's broken," and within thirty minutes, it was fixed. And that's because they are fucking geniuses. That's why. Yes, it is. And by the way, guys, because I always forget to mention this, there is also something else coming on besides the 24-hour podcast launch a little bit sooner. In fact, it's coming up next week, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, but this podcast is going to go out in three three weeks. So I think it would have passed. Okay. But you. So we're talking about the past now. Um, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed the Hot Wing Challenge. Um, probably dead now. I'm probably dead. Yeah, yeah, you, you died. Did you see what they said about wanting us to, you and me, to go het, mano a mano on our on our special sauce? Yeah, which one are we using, yeah. the Apollo or the last stop? Oh, the the Apollo. I mean, we just need to go full bore and fucking just kill each other just for funsies. Yeah, but which and, one's hotter, the last stop or the Apollo? Which one's hotter? I think the Apollo. We'll we'll look it up. Whatever is hotter, we'll use the hottest as we possibly can, and we will. Do you know what we'll do for that? We'll we'll ask a special question about each other. And they'll be like, what is Alex's favorite drink? Pepsi Max. And then I don't have to eat a winger. I don't fucking know. We'll figure it out. Um, but regardless, we'll we'll torture each other. Maybe the loser has to eat that. Maybe. Like loser of like the nah, I want to do it, man. I, I want to do, do it. Yeah. When it lost. It'll be our gentleman thing. Be like, I tip my wing to you, sir. Hey, well, that's old news. Get that off the screen. Um, <laughs> all right, guys. You've you've stuck around long enough, and we got another show we have to do. So we really appreciate you guys coming out every single week to listen to What's the Difference podcast. I am Tom Bruno. Uh, I'm Alex Whiteley. And we fucking love you. Peace out, guys. When it comes to culture either side of the Atlantic, no one does it better. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Usuk's What's the Difference podcast with... Alex Whiteley and Tom Bruno.